Hello, this is a Kelly. I'm sorry. Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and it is October the 18th, and I have Elena Freeman, Freeland, sorry, and she is uh, talking about transhumanism. Bill Gates, and um, 
and they think, yeah, this is about the weather. But really, geoengineering is about a lot more than um, than the weather. Though the weather plays very significantly in keeping the sky ionized. And for people who don't know what that might mean, ionized simply means that the sky has been turned into a vast antenna. And it's kept that way in a variety of, with a variety of technologies. One being the ionospheric heaters, uh, another one, the particle accelerators like CERN, another one, uh, electric weather operations that are chemically and electromagnetically man-made or anthropogenic as they say so all of that uh led me to this third book and i do have a title carry which took a while i i'm looking at three titles i went through but i like this last one the best and that is um geoengineered transhumanism colon how the environment has been weaponized by chemicals electromagnetics and nanoparticles for synthetic biology and i know i'm famous for long titles but when you're dealing with a topic that's national security and people don't see it all the time on the tvs that they still insist upon watching or on their iphones i also don't own an iphone uh they tend to just sort of you know it's just how it is i mean our attention is jerked this way and that every day now by just amazing dramas that are going on so the geoengineering is often forgotten which is why i have to spell it out in the title of hey this is a huge thing this is not just weather this is we're breathing stuff in and have been for 20 years. Geoengineering did not start in 2017, the way we were led to believe when President Trump came into office and David Keith was trotted out to say, oh, gee, you know, we're going to have to try this geoengineering because things have gotten that bad. No, no, no. It's been going on for over 20 years. And I document all that in the in the other two books. So, so now we're deep. We're uh, need to put our hip boots on because we're deep in synthetic biology, and that's really uh, huge. I mean, I, I can't believe I was writing this book, uh, and I was I was getting to the point where I had pretty much completed spelling out how the environment has been weaponized for synthetic biology when boom here comes COVID-19 and so when I saw the footage in Wuhan uh, the early footage months ago uh, I immediately knew what what was happening it wasn't that I needed to put things together or have a medical degree or anything because that particular situation and i'm not talking about all the other situations but that particular situation had everything to do with the fact that wuhan had been wired to the max for 5g just weeks before that the beginning events that led to the rest of the world being caught up in in all of this drama that is going on now so um to me, uh, I think the, the valuable thing I bring to the table is that I can prove that the environment...
has been turned into an open lab. And uh, who's who's doing that? Well, that would certainly include Bill Gates, the Gates Foundation, all that. But it was it's primarily what I like to call to just grab everybody and pull them in the military industrial intelligence complex. This includes and certainly is uh, foremost in my mind while I'm writing uh, would be Lockheed Martin, Raytheon. Uh, all the other uh, accomplices that are known as military contractor corporations, uh, they are they are definitely primary. And it is unfortunately their finger, which is on the button of the geoengineering that produces all the way from extreme weather events. Uh, and that all has to do with disaster capitalists uh, that Naomi Klein named years ago now and uh and yet it's also about experimenting with um synthetic biology for the sake of a transhumanist species and certainly the COVID-19 I don't want to go into that and explain it but it is definitely uh involved to a degree in this uh formatting of a transhumanist species so that's that's basically where I've come. I mean, I haven't even told you that before I was became Miss Geoengineering, in, you know, ten about ten years ago. Uh, before that, I had spent years uh, looking into MK Ultra. Uh, I'm good friends with Ron Patton. Ron Patton was the one who wrote an essay that got lots of attention about Monarch programming years ago. Uh, I I've been involved in digging under the rug and you know and, and down at least a few feet into the the Freemason crypts of America that reveal and expose uh, how the deep state came to be and who the deep state players are I mean I've always been sort of scrounging around in uh, what now everybody speak well not everybody but a lot of people are beginning to understand is really the truth about the United States of America uh, about the CIA in 1947 coming into being what a bad idea that was has proven to be it was a very bad idea how the Cold War was not really at all what we were all told it was um, just you know one thing after another you've covered a lot of very interesting people in your interviews who who probably know more than I though I, I sometimes think I probably know more about MK Ultra than just about anyone I've ever heard um, so all of that is my backlog for coming into this area that um, you know I, I had a biology undergrad uh, degree but I I've never been a physicist by any means so the the plus I bring to the table is that I have a very open mind and um, I'm, I'm incredibly studious and disciplined and so I've dug deep in order to spell out to the layman the danger of the geoengineering going on because it's so quiet it's still national security you're not gonna you're not gonna hear a peep from any of the main players other than whatever uh, the politically correct thing about global warming and climate change is supposed to lead you to think. So this is a problem.
and and I'm bringing it to the table uh, along with some other very important things. But the irony is, if I read you the list of seven operations that geoengineering is part of, you will see that just about every major um, uh, problem we're having that people are dedicating themselves to, activists are very involved in, there are lawsuits going on, you'll see that it all has to do with geoengineering. And that's, that's the irony of this situation, is the quietest elephant in the living room is geoengineering, and it's engaged in all of uh, everything I can think of that is coming to the fore. Okay, now what I want to ask you is whether or not you are uh, wrapping into your analysis, uh, especially since you've got this new book coming, uh, the, the, what the vaccine will contain, what the test does contain, and how that also has, you know, in a certain sense, it's like a geoengineering, it's terraforming the earth, re-terraforming the earth for uh, another species, mm-hmm. and I think that's the end game for one thing, and then also the idea of upgrading this human genome in a certain ways uh, into what Mark Richards calls spe- uh, passive super soldiers so I don't know like I know you're not a biologist so I don't know if you go down those roads but the vaccine is going to be front and center of course the testing now is they're really trying to sell that uh, that's also part of that that package uh, but uh, you know there's no doubt the frequencies I call it a frequency war uh, so there's a, a definite frequency war going on, and that has a lot to do with what we're seeing. Then the weather wars gets washed, you know, gets pushed into that because the fires are a result of that. So maybe you can talk because I know you must have, you know, your analysis of the fires. Like um, I'm in California. I forget where you're located. Uh, I'm in uh, Olympia, Washington State. Okay. Well, Oregon has had their fires. Uh, so. You know, this is part of the, the terraforming as well uh, as, as hurricanes and tornadoes and, and basically trying to reclaim the earth away from humans, uh, get us, get people away from the coast. I don't know if you listen to Deborah Tiberis. She talks about these things all the time. Uh, anyway, continue uh, along these lines. Okay. Um, I don't exactly agree with a few things you just said. But uh, let me just first give you my, my scaffolding system so that you understand where I'm coming from. So there are, uh, you can still see me, can't you, Carrie? Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I don't know what you're looking at, but you're, we have, you are the main act. When you're talking, you're, you're on front and center on the screen. Because okay. <laughs> I, I pulled up something from uh, my, uh, my desktop. Okay, so there are seven geoengineering operations in service to the secret space program. And um, my way of looking at the secret space program is through the lens of a uh, a Soviet astronomer named Nikolai Kardashev. And Nikolai Kardashev, um, several years ago, put forward three phases of technological achievement that any civilization aspiring to a true space age would have to accomplish. And the very first one of the three is full spectrum dominance of one's planet. And that's what we're undergoing now. 
they are through geoengineering primarily, uh, and I would say with tangential, in tandem uh, research into the transhumanist possibilities of for the planet, uh, we are now uh, undergoing the first stage. The second stage is control over one star. So that would be control over the sun. And during this uh, minimal, this solar minimal that we've been in, they have done a great deal of uh, experimental work with the sun. Uh, and uh, and that is that is underway, the second phase, at the same time that they're completing. And they are completing the first phase. This is the last phase, is the uh, control over human society and the human biological. So uh, then the third is control over one's galaxy and its systems. And, and at that point, people probably think, wow, this is really hubris. This is unbelievable. But, uh, but that, is, that is the overarching umbrella of all the geoengineering I know that is going on. So there are seven operations under that secret space program that Catherine Austin Fitz has talked about many, many times. Um, the first one is weather engineering, like you were saying, um, and that that certainly uh, is essential. And we're seeing a lot of it. We've seen a lot of uh, all the way from hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, storms, droughts, floods, you name it. That is all to my knowledge. There is no natural weather today. It is all engineered. And that agree 100 percent on that yeah and that has to do with full spectrum dominance right i mean you know that's the way it is full spectrum dominance doesn't mean half spectrum dominance so then the second operation that geoengineering is running is the chemical and electromagnetic and those two really do go together because uh, everything electromagnetic has some chemical part to it as you know through uh looking at the um uh, at our uh, the system of metals uh, all the way from uh, the uh, the I can't remember the names of them from the periodic table but they they all have to do with a chemical reaction and now that nanotechnology has been uh, discovered it was discovered quite late actually uh, though I think the military had its paws into it uh, before 1990 now it has become an entire industry and it's everywhere so um, the weather engineering is done with chemicals and electromagnetics and include nanoparticles in that, absolutely. Um, they are now able to make their own Birkeland currents. They can make their own Alvin waves. Uh, they can make a rotating electric electrical fields in the sky. They can make toroidal uh, forms. A lot of people attribute uh, these amazing sights in the sky, including uh, UFOs and etc. to uh, off-planet beings. I I myself do not really need yet to go off-planet. I can find plenty of evidence to show that all of this is going on right here. Um, 
now whether or not a person who looks like a human is a human I don't really go into that because um, I'm still making my way in that direction to decide what it means to say that nature abhors a vacuum and there certainly are people who have abandoned their true humanity in my opinion and when you abandon your humanity, which would mean your soul life, then there are entities that could easily come in and fill that vacuum uh, and take over your life. And that that certainly must be happening, but I don't really delve into that. I'm sort of uh, concentrating on the environment and how the earth herself has been uh, subsumed in this vision of uh, the conquest of space. So the second operation, as I said, is chemical and electromagnetic. The third is planetary geophysical, and you mentioned terraforming. That would be where that would come in. And um, what we're seeing in California as the fires definitely comes under this category. We are seeing combustion experiments going on in these fires now for I've I've studied the last four years of them uh, not further but in those four years I would say that they are experimenting with their nanotechnology nanos are very much involved in these fires and I have a whole chapter on the California fires in the uh, upcoming book so um, planetary geophysical uh, utilizing droughts, fires, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, storms, polar vortices, uh, solar cycles, using it all uh, for experimental purposes to find ways to control not just the earth, but the sun as well. And the fourth uh, operation is directed energy weapons. And um, there are just so many sophisticated weapons now in space uh we have the uh we have the recent uh, invention of this uh space what is it called space uh, i'm sorry i'm not sure what you're you're trying to say oh what trump what trump has come up with as the space force oh yeah space space force. Force. yes it was called space Corps before so i don't always remember but yeah the space force certainly has to do with the uh managing the directed energy weapons it also has to do with managing geoengineering um then the fifth is uh the surveillance and neural operations and surveillance we know about we know how the satellites are the eyes in the sky etc the neural part of it uh, we know less about but we know that people like uh, robert duncan phd he has told us a great deal about how satellites are involved and i always remember an amazing activist who was targeted to death i believe uh carolyn williams pallet she taught me uh probably See, more than duncan did about how it works from space so the idea that our nervous systems and our brain would be controlled by um by this technology is very very important uh and especially now that all those 5g satellites have gone up so then the sixth operation in brief is the 
I've put a lot into this one, so I apologize. But digital biology, nanotechnology, and transhumanism, and they're all connected. They lead to each other. Digital biology is what molecular biology is being made into. Uh, we're abandoning the molecular model and going for the digital model. And that means that things like the 5G uh, Wuhan operation could very well be, and I certainly can't prove it, but could very well be utilizing the signature of uh, a virus and um, transporting it via a radio wave or a microwave. Uh, You wouldn't even need the virus. You wouldn't even need the actual pathogen. You just need its signature and the ability to transmit it. Uh, That's what digital biology is really going to lead us to. And that has to do with the ionized atmosphere as well. The final one is the cloaking and obscuration and detection of exotic propulsion craft that are hiding in the plasma cloud cover that covered that we now have. Uh, they also these these uh, cloaked exotic craft can also be plasma life forms. Uh, certainly, the military industrial intelligence complex is is uh, is very much experimenting with creating life forms out of plasma. When you think of what plasma is, that it's the fourth state of matter, and then you you start looking at the old, the the history of what led up to the uh, discovery of plasma physics in the 30s, you, you can see that we originally thought that the universe was full of ether. That was the old term. And then bizarrely in to my mind, in the 20s, the 1920s, that term was banned by scientism uh, in the U.S. and uh, and U.K. and maybe further than that. Uh, and um, and then terms like uh, black holes, uh, dark matter, and lo- lots of terms have been created in order to, I guess, take the place of that old term ether but the way it really uh, seems to me to work if you study Maxwell and some of the other guys who've been basically left in the dust or hidden uh, from people studying the physics of today um, you see that uh, really that that was uh, ether was the beginning it is the 99.9% of the universe And when there's an electromagnetic event in space, which the electric universe talks a lot about, that will create the plasma from the ether. And then the plasma begins to move toward creating matter. And that's really how uh, creation works on that very simple little model that I'm putting forward. And so these plasma life forms that are the uh, seventh operation and hiding and being obscured in the cloud cover that's uh, being created by these weather events and other things, um, they're they're very interesting. I mean, they, they... I I can't really say that I'm any type of expert on those, but I did really enjoy uh, Trevor Constable's book, The Cosmic Pulse of Life, in which he has a lot of black and white photos 
of um, what looked to be like giant um, microbes in the sky. They're all big blobby looking things that I used to look at under my microscope in college biology where uh, they have two little eyes and and they they are very much alive but their bodies are made of plasma so that's the seventh operation as far as the craft go I'm sure that you've had people who know much more about it than I I always think of TR3Bs or uh, X37Bs because they're triangular and they are being seen everywhere in the cloud cover above us so there you see Carrie it's a big system this geoengineering thing and that's sort of the um, the system by which I decide what is true or not okay now do you look at Tom Bearden's work in scalar weaponry because when you're talking about uh, you know what is in essence directed energy weapons that's what does scalar and yes. um, and and that's very important I believe uh, having to do with targeting populations for this uh, for COVID or anything else you want to to be mirrored in the population and and I think you're right you know um, the Rife machine talks about you know if you've ever looked at um, uh-huh. you know Royal Rife uh, right. and I've used a Rife machine then it it also can change your uh, your whole system depending on how you you dial the frequencies and work with that so that mm-hmm. tells us that it's perfectly possible to mind control populations and also create illness in them yes. and uh, and then there's also uh, you know I there's an interesting thing about botanical uh, sort of frequencies going into um, healing uh, sort of potions coming from flowers and so on and all you need is a, a drop of the the essence of the flower and then you know putting into some liquid and that gets into you know rain or the chemtrails or mist or whatever it is or just outright spray uh so and that's yeah. your that's your frequency wars right there right absolutely frequency is the name of the game now isn't it Yes, and so that's that's what I I have been looking at. But I, I you know I love that you cover all these different other areas as well. I think this is really important, and I I, I want to sort of delve in further with you because I am curious, and I know about Trevor James Constable, and I think his work is really really seminal, and I think that uh, Wilhelm Reich as right. well is very very important they killed him and everything that we know i think today about weather might even come from those two guys uh, primarily uh, with some help from tesla Dan, so Dan and, and, and and you know there's a lot there so but to get back to the sort of the transhumanist issue and the fact that they're also you know about the georgia guidestones and the the fact that they want to limit the population and all these programs so what is your take on what is is their current like operation you know where are we at with their operation as far as you're concerned and again you didn't actually address this but you know there's so much but i wonder if you're looking at the vaccines or or the and the tests and where that is going to take humanity like what are your thoughts on those lines well, because I'm a student of Rudolf Steiner for 40 years or whatever, um, remember when this all started, we began to hear from doctors like uh, Dietrich Klinghart uh, and um, T- 
Tom, uh, what's Tom's last name? Tom Cowan in San Francisco, where the first thing they brought up was what Rudolf Steiner was saying about the virus a hundred years ago, which is basically that the virus simply does not exist. And it doesn't. Uh, what does exist, though, are natural nanoparticles. And natural nanoparticles are in every, every form of life. Uh, this is very different from the man-made ones. And we have to now begin to, uh, begin to distinguish between man-made and natural. Uh, and when Tom Cowan said, uh, pointed out that the virus arises in a, when the cell is sick, when the cell, when the immune system is weak and can't do its job for the cells, then the virus arises. And what happens then, and it looks to me like, because they're using now, they're using virus and bacteria to, uh, and, and DNA to produce synthetics uh, by the truckload. And uh, so imagine that this particular viral strain of and it's unfortunate it's coronavirus because there are so many types of coronavirus i mean uh, over a hundred types so which one is going on here and uh, what's the difference between, you know every flu you're going to have coronavirus every cold you're going to have coronavirus swimming around inside so what are they making this out to be yes making it out to be yet more of the completely ridiculous germ theory. And I say ridiculous because I spent six years studying Chinese medicine years ago. I thought I was going to be an acupuncturist and then life, you know how life is, Carrie, it took me in another direction. Um, the, the coronavirus is just a nanoparticle that can be synthesized through DNA, through vi using virus or bacteria. And then you have something that you can change. And I think it's the change that we need to look at. I've been studying patents and how patents are made. The, the fact that a, a British corporation named Serco actually runs our patent office, which is unbelievable to me. Uh, and. Um, that the patent, to patent a form of life, like the germ theory considers um, bacteria and virus to be, uh, you have to just do something to it to give it a human spin. Then you can patent it. Otherwise, it is still forbidden, thankfully, that you can't patent life. You can't patent it. You have to do something to it. And I think that that's what we're looking at with the present drama is uh, that possibly someone has done something with the COVID, one of the uh, coronavirus to produce the COVID-19, such as it's called, a very dangerous acronym, by the way. I don't use it as a synonym for coronavirus at all. Um, the coronavirus has been tampered with, and possibly it was used in these psyops that have happened. I really don't know. I really don't. But I do know that the germ theory is a war model, yet another Western war model, that simply does not exist. Germs, I, I, I'm sorry to tell people this, they'll probably hate me now, but if I drop some a French fry on the ground in a restaurant, I'll just pick it up and eat it. Because I know there are no germs. 
there are no germs. There are there are microbes, which is yet another word we use for nanoparticles. All these little little teeny weeny guys that are living on the atomic level, really tiny. I mean, beyond beyond micron, right? Way way. They are they're. They are so fascinating. I, I have gotten so deep into this now. The thing that really strikes me is that all these nano uh, particles, whether they're in, they're natural and they're in bodies and they're in the environment, or they're man-made, because they're on the atomic level, they are right by the quantum uh, threshold. So they are they are not really from this realm. Do you see what I mean? They're from they're from some parallel realm, which is what makes them actually quite dangerous and probably very attractive to materials physicists who want to get down in there and create matter just like God, right? So that's that now is when I think of you're asking about the vaccine, if I were to guess educated guess, not the same thing as, you know, somebody in the street, educated guess, that vaccine is going to have a DNA synthesized nanoparticle that is going to influence our DNA. And that is, is to me, I mean, when you first heard about transhumanism years ago, you and I both know that they're not going to have big lines of people waiting to go into a hospital and get a vaccination to make them transhumanist. That ain't going to be how it happens. It's going to come like a thief in the night, That's and it's going to come said. as a medicine, right? It's going to come that way. So when Steiner said, no, there is no virus, the other thing he said that was outrageous was that someday there would be a vaccination a vaccine, let's say that, a vaccine that would completely wipe the idea of spirit and soul from human consciousness. Now that is the direction I think this is going in because these are the globalists, the same globalists we dealt with in 1918 when the war ended and 1919 came and the League of Nations failed because humanity was not ready for it. They have been working for a hundred years to get us ready and they fortunately had the tv that completely turned us into boob tube kind of people they had all they brought education down to the lowest common denominator of of absolute no thinking whatsoever just fill in the blank they have worked so hard to get to the point where now we're back to the space secret space program absolute control over humanity has to be part of controlling the planet and that's where we are now that's how i see it carrie sure and and you know i certainly agree with that but uh what i'm wondering though in terms of that control and in terms of you know there uh I don't know if you know who Sterling Hill is, uh, but I, she's someone I interviewed recently. She looks at epi, what she calls epigenetics, and she's looked at, she's also tracking, along with other people, by the way, uh, this gene. Uh, I don't know if they call it um, gene eight or something like that. They're, they're calling it like the God gene or something. Right, and they right. think that the, 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 the vaccine will target specifically this gene 
I'm actually thinking, because I, I named my book Rebel Gene, in essence, it may be the exact same gene as the rebel gene. In other words, the God gene and the rebel gene are, uh, it's a concept, it's, it's more of a philosophy, if you will, having to do with having the human think for themselves and be able to be spiritual and to make that connection with source. So what they're trying to do is interfere with that connection. And by the way, their geoengineering of the sun also speaks to that very directly um, because the sun is, uh, it, 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 raise, raise, it, it affects our minds and, and raises our uh, frequency. And so it is through that that we also um, connect with source. And they've been doing the chemtrailing, covering the skies with uh, this thick cloud level layer. Now, there's more than one reason for the chemtrails, so it gets you know quite wide there. And I think you would agree. Um, but I agree, you know, with your analysis generally speaking. Although there's sort of we may diverge at a certain point. Are you aware, for example, you're talking a lot about what you you're calling natural nano. I haven't heard anyone refer to nano as natural. My understanding of nano is that it was all unnatural. But if you can explain what you understand about nano that has to do with what you're calling, is it just because you're using the word nano to mean small, meaning subatomic level? Or are you, are you saying what it's made of? Because normally I thought nano, and again, I, I'm not an expert on nano by any stretch, but I also thought nano had to do had to be a certain kind of metal. It was a metallic uh, sort of substance that uh, could also, well, contain AI and self-replicate is, is what I've got from whistleblowers. So, and that has to do with the nano satellites uh, grid. You know, Anthony Sanchez talked about all around us. Uh, that's called Project Leonid that you may or may not have heard of. So, any, can you talk more about nano, your understanding of what it is and what it isn't? Yeah, uh, first of all, I wanted to say that uh, the epigenetics is very, very important because basically uh, that's, in a way, that's what my whole book is about, how the environment now is the means by which all of this is going to be done. It's all being done through the environment. And uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's amazing. I mean... You have to agree that uh, the, uh, I mean, the National Security Act of 1947 cannot be underestimated as to be the rock that all of these uh, scientists and um, and purveyors of non-human uh, experiments they all crawled under that same rock, and uh, and so now well, you know we're facing uh, the consequences. Now, regarding the nanotechnology, um, yes, nano, when I use it, I'm actually referring to the size, but I'm trying to also say that the size is very important because it is on the threshold that the nanos, the picos, all of the others that are very tiny, uh, they're all on the threshold of the quantum uh, worlds, quantum uh, dimensions, you might say, the quantum frequencies, yes? So to have released uh, a lot of man-made thinking that, oh, there's already natural nano in the sense of they're all 
just of the elements from the periodic table. Uh, yes, there are metals, but they're all, it's all from the periodic table, uh, and maybe with a few new ones coming in. But they're all, it's mainly a precise thing, because um, like, uh, like smart dust, like, uh, like um, any of the, the, what's the one that from space they call it, not space dust, they have another name for it, but it, all of that is nano, it's nano-sized. That's all, and uh, and it was here a long time before. But now they're they're see they're edging in the man-made nano. There's no laws that uh, that at all regulate it, Carrie. Not there is not one law that regulates nano. It has been released uh, in the trillions and quadrillions, and I mean I can't even begin to quantify how these rockets, these sounding rockets and the jets that are up at 42,000 feet or, and, and you know, they've all spewed this stuff everywhere because they wanted, as soon as they discovered they could arm them to be nanobots in the sense that they could put tiny computers in them, they realized that these would they be their up. sensors. And these sensors the would go out and like grab data to feed the machine learning AI the big data that it has to munch on all the time. So they, they saw it and at first as a sensor item, but then it was body. so easy to use it in other things that they pretty soon have just put it everywhere. And the question that burns in my soul about this is, what happens when you invite such a tiny, you know, I can just picture these scientists say, oh, it's so tiny. It would have no effect. So tiny. Well, that, what if it's just the opposite? What if this has a tremendous effect? In fact, particularly because it is armed with microcomputers. And then now the boys, the laptop boys, I call them, the guys sitting in Colorado Springs with a nice fresh glass of organic orange juice on their monitor, watching how all of these dumps happen in uh, the upper atmosphere and how much is coming down and what the sensors are saying. And, you know, they're reading the atmosphere. They're reading, uh, they're reading all kinds of things. The nanos are going this way. And so... Uh, the data boys love this stuff because it, it magnifies the, pro the, the big data amazingly. But what's going to happen to us? We are not accustomed to these, and they are being tampered with. These are not the natural nano-sized uh, periodic table things, the natural metals. We have a little bit of aluminum in us. We have a little bit of barium. We have a little bit of all these different, but now it's coming down in dumps, and we are breathing it in, and it is immediately, because of its size, able to, to storm the barricade between the blood and the brain, and it's in our brains, and you look around, I don't know where, where you live if it's like this, but where I live, people are just, they're just not thinking. They're just emotional triggers waiting to be triggered. They are not aware they are not conscious but when Rudolf Steiner used the word consciousness. Being when there's nothing that you can no, do about this, this it. this is not consciousness. Is this is something I'm else. And I very much feel something that about the nanotech is a huge part of this. And that we're going to pay the pipe around this. everybody. 
Well, I think that's, uh, you know, that's fascinating. And, and thank you for sort of clarifying what your thoughts were along those lines. Uh, I am wondering, because, okay, because when you talk about nano and you talk about 5G, in a certain sense, you're talking about a highway, you know, Internet of Things, a highway by which not only the nano can travel, but AI can travel piggybacked on this highway of nano. And so we have within us now um, tons of nano from the chemtrails that's already there. And then on top of it, it, it does appear that the hydrogel is what they're calling it, mm-hmm. that they're they're doing in, they're using actually, I think it's also that's in the test, in the swab things they're yeah. doing. And then on top of it, there, it's today. in the vaccines. So the hydrogel gel contains nano. I mean, it, they actually come out and say that. So. Absolutely. So there, there you are, and that, and one of my whistleblowers who has was telling, talking to me about the vaccine, the coming vaccine, said, "Well, it's going to have, they call it smart dust, and the smart dust is the nano, but it's the nano linked with AI. It's the AI nano. So it is, it is fascinating. Now, there, you could, go, I don't know if you want to go in this direction or have you thought about this, but." I, I, my book actually is concerned with this question having to do with how much um, sort of AI and nano and transhumanist stuff can you, you know, it's like the idea of the universal soldier and there's, um, actually it's a, there's a, there's a movie that's, that's very front and center about this and you may remember it, but it has to do with when you build somebody's body into this stuff so they're transmuting us into this um at what point does a spirit soul complex start having trouble with the sort of biofeedback system to where we can't like i said also connect with source but aside from that our own you know with our own sort of feedback system so then what does what happens to a person's karma is kind of like the wrong word, but if you understand what I'm saying, what is the feedback loop of of, a, of doing something wrong, for example? Does it have a feedback loop for that? Does it, you know what I mean? I'm talking about where we in like a, a sort of so-called um, human now has, a, we think, a conscience, has a feeling nature, emotional nature, watery nature, that feels bad when we do something bad. It's like a natural reaction. Feels sick when we see something sick. You know what I'm saying here? So there's, this is a lot to think about and I don't even know if your book goes in that direction, but it, it is, it, it's something that has to be discussed at some point in the future because that's what we're really talking about. Are we gonna lose our humanity through these methods? And is that of course the plan? So, you know, this is where it goes. Right. No, it's a great question. And uh, I would say not in the future. This should have happened yesterday before all this was released. But, of course, (laughs) not. Because the American way is uh, of doing research is to release it and see what happens and then deal with it from there. So... No, it's a great question, and it's a it's a Rudolf Steiner type of question, um, along with many other people who are asking the same thing. I go back to my idea, which may sound bizarre to take a physics um, law 
and apply it to one's humanity. But nature abhors a vacuum. This has been said since uh, back with Newton. And the, the reason that's so important is we have to ask, with this technology, even though we can't see something, like, um, you know, you, you breathe in oxygen. We know that we breathe in oxygen and we breathe in, well, other things too, but we really need the oxygen. And so we can't see it, but we're breathing all the time. We're just breathing. We take it for granted. Uh, what if, what if in the invisible world or the tiny world that we can't see? Because if you remember looking at an electromagnetic spectrum, and then you you see this vast spectrum, and you know uh, all the way from uh, gamma rays to uh, you know radio waves and microwaves, and yet then you get down to this little tiny area that is our visual. Our visual area where um, the human being can actually see and experience, it's, it's overwhelming. I mean, it's, you know, and that is, of course, what the doctrine of full spectrum dominance means. Full spectrum, yes, it means all of every aspect of life, but it also means uh, complete domination over the electromagnetic spectrum, including ours. So... We're stuck with this little tiny wedge that we can see, and we know it's there. And then we've learned from our culture that, yes, we breathe in oxygen, even though you can't see it. We could measure it if we had to. Uh, and, and you begin to see that that now so many things, I'm looking at my electric light, I know I'm looking at my computer, there's radio waves coming out of it, there's microwaves, I have uh, a wonderful pyramid over here, uh, which is made of uh, organite that a, a, a wonderful fan of mine made for me. So, you know, and I know rays are pouring out of it, I can't see them. So I'm learning something that Rudolf Steiner said that we all would have to learn someday, which is to perceive um, without seeing it, to perceive it spiritually, you might say, or through the soul. You would teach the soul how to perceive something that is invisible. You would know it was present. We're not talking about ghosts here. We're not talking about, uh, you know, the normal TV fair. Talking about being able to use our minds in such a way that we can we can concentrate in this way we can we can open the portals in another way the mind is not the brain it is part of the soul if not the soul itself and so if if i were to try to answer your very good question it would be what is it that will take me so far afield from my soul life what will come in if i'm leaving a vacuum say i have no inner life i have uh i don't you know i don't think meditation and prayer are the only ways to have an inner life but where i i actually have a relationship with the divine and and that that relationship is real and it informs me constantly my thoughts my feelings how i conduct my life uh i don't go to churches i don't go to temples i i don't necessarily you know as i always say every day is sunday and everywhere is church um but i have an inner life and that inner life fills all my interstices of my soul life of my physical life as i'm as i'm directing it through my soul to live here 
on earth for my lifetime. So somebody who doesn't have that, what kind of vacuum are they setting up? And that's the key to me. You know, if, if you're watching TV with your spare time because you're just burned out, it's been a tough day at work, and you just want to collapse on the couch and watch some crap, uh, I, it, is that what you should be doing when we are obviously under some sort of anti-human warfare, I call it. I could call it spiritual warfare. That's used a lot, and it's the same thing. But it definitely is anti-human as the human has been. It's that we were weak, we were frail. This uh, transhumanism can make us stronger, like the super soldier program. It can it can make us, it can enhance us. And, and meanwhile, you know, what about the things that make us human where we, our fragility, our, our, uh, our sensitivity, our ability to love, our ability to, uh, to really go deeply into our feelings. Are these really weaknesses? I, I don't think so. I, I think that we need to really, you know, like you said, it's a conversation we should have been having. We should have been having it a long time ago. If these AIs and these nanos and everything else, all the chemicals in the you know that are coming down, we're breathing. Obviously, the scientists of our era do not care a damn about what is human. They are too concentrated on uh, doing uh, something with their careers, with uh, the science that for them is like a god, uh, and and so we're we're left on our own here. This is up to us now. And that, in a way, is an invitation to true democratic movement. And that's really what I feel I've thrown my life into for 10 years now, is the wonderful democratic movement where, you know, I'm reading what people are doing for their Morgellons, which is a form of nanotechnology. I'm reading how they're they're combating it and and taking back their quality of life through just their own experimentation. They're all scientists. They're all looking deeply into what is happening to me because ain't no experts coming to save me. Ain't no governor who's going to give me a law that's going to take care of me. We're on our own. And that's, to me, the strength of our position. Is It's just that we have to take it seriously because a lot of people are getting depressed and killing themselves. They're not getting that this is an opportunity to look into the invisible and learn through one's mind as long as you can keep it because, you know, I know tons of, you probably do too, Carrie, I know tons of targeted individuals who cannot even claim to have their own mind anymore. I mean, we are at, we are in the portals of, of evil to an anti-human evil that is using human beings like like toilet paper. Like that initial that initial mind control moment when everybody ran out and bought all the toilet paper. That was totally programmed into the population. Don't people get how sophisticated this technology is? They think that they think we are worms. They think we're cattle. They think doing anything to us is fine if you don't wake up. And that's where the brotherhoods come in, the secret societies that Kennedy was speaking against. The secret society idea is, hey, I get to do anything I want to you 
if you don't wake up, well, you're just a cowan. You're just a you're just dumb. Uh, so you uh, deserve uh, whatever uh, you get. That's how they do their secret on. societies. Well, I don't feel yeah. that way. Yeah. I feel there are young souls on the planet. There are older souls. There are very old souls, and that we who are older need to take under our wing the people who are just completely like, what the heck? What the heck? I I feel very strongly that we need to take our morality not born of a church or you know even in buddha's wonderful laws uh that we need to take our moral sensibility and 